Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park These days, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make all kinds of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs in towns and cities across the country. And jobs bring pride. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. You blame Larry Hughes. I still blame Kelly Rowland. Yeah, I mean, Kelly Rowland and uh, Jim Cruz, I'll probably blame both of them. Uh, you know, maybe Nelly had something to do with it, too. Might be sacrilege to say that, but yeah. <laughs> Kelly Rowland uh, didn't text uh, Jason on Excel to tell him to uh, sleep. <laughs> These are the tales of college basketball past as you've never heard them before. Our guests tell stories blending team seasons, on and off court moments, memories of personal fandom, catastrophe, and elation, and yes, alcohol. I'm Jeremy. I'm Matt. And I'm Pat. We do the work, you tell the story. These are the College Basketball Stories. I'm John. I'm Danny. And uh, we're the guys from West Pine Bills, and we're going to tell you the story of the 1997 and 1998 Slough Billikens, better known as the Larry Hughes year. The Larry Hughes era, if you will. Yeah. The one, uh, the one year. <laughs> I mean, we could say era, but is a year an era? I don't really know. It's a, it's no, a I think, era. I think the Larry Hughes year sounds great. I think it's the Larry okay. Hughes year of the Spoonball era. Uh, that's a little complicated, Dan. Yeah, well, not necessarily at the intro, but you know what I mean. I know. Yeah. No, we'll, we'll bring it up later. We'll put a pin in it. <laughs> um, so starting out, many SLU fans and college basketball fans know that this is like a high point in the 90s for the SLU program. But let's look at where SLU was coming into this year, entering year three of the Spoonball era. Uh, Charlie Spoonhour, legendary SLU coach. Legendary coach at a bunch of places, actually. Um, but the year before, and kind of why it was surprising that Larry Hughes chose SLU at all, 
Slew, uh, in not so kind terms, had a down year. They were coming off an 11 and 18 season in 96-97, four and 10 in conference. You know, generally just not very good, not a ton of talent. I think that's pretty fair to say. Um, So it came as a shock to a lot of people that Larry Hughes, still one of the greatest players that the St. Louis area has ever produced, um, chose the hometown team of St. Louis University. Not a ton to talk about in terms of where the program was. They were not winning games, but they were drawing huge crowds, playing at the, I believe at the time it was the Keel Center. But honestly, it's where the Blues play, if you don't know what I'm talking about, if you're too young or too old. Um, yeah, so it was kind of a, I guess the best way to put it is they were a sleeping giant, and they were just waiting for the right spark, so to speak, to kind of awaken that giant. And I think, Dan, is it fair to say that Larry Hughes was that spark? Well, Larry Hughes is definitely the spark, and he, he was probably also the giant. I mean, <laughs> I mean, he, he was he was easily the best player on the team. I mean, clearly the team went as 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 Larry went. I'm still looking at these records, shocked that, that he chose Slew. I'm certainly glad that he did. But... Um, I mean, over the other huge offers he had, yeah, I mean, picking to lead your hometown team, I mean, it, it, it definitely turned him into an area legend. Yeah, I mean, definitely, I, I have one correction I need to make, even though I know that accuracy is not the most important thing in the world. This was actually, um, Larry's first season was year six of the Spoon era, not three. I'm an idiot and can't figure out how to read basketball reference. Uh, but they had switched conferences, which is why why I messed it up. So this is year three in Conference USA. Um, but I think you're right that he was the giant. He also was the spark. He is arguably a top three player the St. Louis area has ever produced. Um, and as you kind of alluded to, he picked Slew over some really big-time programs, historically and locally. Um, I don't even remember where the programs were. I know U of I Kansas. was one of them. Syracuse, Kansas, Michigan. Kansas, Michigan. Is Michigan even good at that point? Michigan's always good at everything. Uh, that's, well, that's debatable. That's very. Michigan's debatable. relatively good compared to SLU at most. Teams. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Compared to the I mean, rest Mich- of the country, no. Yeah, Michigan's slightly better at football than SLU. I'll give you that. Um, <laughs> but Michigan wasn't in this uh, power-packed conference USA. No. No, they. Uh, yeah, they weren't. Slew also hasn't lost a football game in like sixty years. I was gonna say That's also allegedly allegedly invented the forward pass. Right. No, so, confirmed. So, confirmed invented the forward pass, John. According to Wikipedia, they invented Around the forward field pass. is confirmed. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, you know what? We're gonna take it as fact. We've actually tweeted out as such, but other schools have claimed to it because it's not really no. too uh nope. too... Wikipedia says it's slew, so it's okay. slow. <laughs> Nobody can edit Wikipedia. No. I would never do that. No, I would never Danny, edit Wikipedia. Danny goes and make sure that, that that's the case every like three days. Correct. <laughs> Correct. I go make sure, and if it's changed, I need to report it. Yeah, you just have a you have a like a RSS alert where it just says someone edited it. Um, Report as abuse. <laughs> yes. Yeah, whoever whoever edits it banned. Danny also downloads people on Twitter because you can do that now. So he's just oh, a good guy enforcing the rules. Danny, we do that. 
No, you can downvote replies and quotes on your own tweets. On your own tweets, okay. I don't think I've it does anything, but I've you can. I've seen the icon, but I've never hit it yet. I, I hit it by accident all the time. And he <laughs> plays as good a defense on Wikipedia as the SLU team did this year. 15 in the country. He plays better so, offense because he's he, proactive. I mean, anybody, anybody's you know. better offense. <laughs> yeah, that was yes. a bad. That was like a, a Jim Cruz level like offense. One twenty offense. Um, so I I think one one note very famous as part of the Larry Hughes like mythology. I don't even know what the word to use is, but like why he chose SLU. So he obviously had big time offers. Uh, he was an All American. He played an All American game. Scored twenty points. He was Mister uh, Show Me Basketball. I think in in his senior year, uh, won an AAU national championship. He did he win a state title at CBC or went to state? I don't really know. Um, but he he had a big run in Sounds the state right. tournament at CBC. Um, but he picked Slew mainly because of his family. Uh, it's very much on the record that his younger brother Justin had some serious health issues um, with his heart, uh, and he was very tight with his brother and just with his family in general. So he, he picked SLU mainly to stay home uh, and just be near his family. So I, I think you, you can't talk about Larry Hughes at SLU without mentioning that aspect because it wasn't, I mean, no disrespect to the program, but it wasn't like he was picking SLU just because of basketball, um, especially coming off an 11 and 16 or whatever I said earlier year. Well, I mean, as attractive as Spoonball is, I think. That's, I mean, that's, that's also a big reason he went there. You just want yeah. to play the Spoonball. Yeah. Um, what, I mean, and Spoonball was exciting. Uh, you know, as for people listening to this, the context is Dan and I are much younger SLU fans. This era precedes our awareness as basketball fans. Um, you know, I was like two years old when Larry Hughes was at SLU. So my firsthand memories are not going to be super strong, but like even in today's world at SLU, you hear about Spoonball, you hear about how they were top ten in attendance. I think like six of his seven seasons or something like that. They drew big crowds. They got big opponents to come into St. Louis and play games. They got local kids exposure. They would do a lot of home and home stuff. If a big time St. Louis player went to another school, they would get them to come in and play a game in St. Louis. Um, I won't say winning wise, it was the like peak of slew basketball, but in terms of fan support, you will not find a more dedicated fan base in, in, in the slew world than at this time. So I think you're right, Dan, like he definitely did want to come in and play for spoon too, because it's not like he's playing in front of like 2000 people, you know, he's playing in front of 17,000 people a night. Well, right. You're playing at a relatively big arena. You're drawing crowds that, I mean, I don't, I don't know the numbers, but had to be top thirty in the country. You're no, I, I so I actually I didn't do a ton of research, but I did some, and they were top ten this okay. season. Okay, I mean, so okay, so you're playing for an average of a top ten crowd at all times. Yeah. You're at home. You're by your family. You're, I mean, you're the guy. So, I think that that's probably something that attracts them to to this program. And I mean, you're also. So, like, we might not think of it in today's terms, but Conference USA in this time is not, like, a, a second-tier conference. You're playing in a good conference. Oh, this, is a, this is a power conference, John. Yeah. 
This is probably on par with, I don't know. Is it on par with the modern Big East in terms of relativity? Uh, yeah. I mean, I'd say it's it's pretty on par with the Big East at the time. I don't even know the Big East at the time. I mean, you have a school like Boston College in there. Ugh. So, yeah, exactly. That's why you're probably on par with with uh, the Big East at the time. Obviously, you've got a bunch of top 10, 15 schools in that Big East as well. And, like, you know, Syracuse and... and Georgetown and whoever else, but I mean, this is a this is a conference USA that that had SLU, that had Louisville, that had Cincinnati, that had Marquette, that had a good Charlotte team. Um, I don't know who else I missed, but I mean, there are a lot of good teams that that were ranked at least somewhat high year over year, and so you know when you're putting three, four, maybe five teams in the tournament, that's that's a good conference. Yeah, so this year, Conference USA, uh, 97, 98, they put three teams in the tournament, Charlotte, Cincinnati, St. Louis. Um, they had four teams ranked at some point during the season. I think the funniest of them is Louisville. Louisville was ranked in the preseason and then went uh, 12 and 20. So <laughs> that's always a uh, that's always an enjoyable thing to see. And they went 5 and 11 in conference, which just kind of hammers home uh, at that point. But it was a good conference. Uh, they had two, three, four, five, six. They had eight of the eleven teams like significantly over five hundred. So this is a good conference. And interestingly, of those teams that you mentioned that were ranked at some point in the season, SLU was not one of them. And you know, looking at looking at SLU's schedule, you know, and we'll we'll dive more into this. But they started eight and zero. I'm kind of surprised they weren't ranked after that eight and zero start. But then again. Comparatively, I don't really know how good these teams were that they were beating. U of I was the big name that they beat, but they played five ranked opponents. I mean, um, if they win that game against UCLA, they're definitely ranked the next day, or I guess on Monday, right? I would think so. I'm not sure that people cared about the Bulls the same way that they do today. So the Bulls. maybe it really wasn't a big deal. Oh, wait, you mean the Polls? The polls, yes. The oh, AP sorry. Poll, the coaches poll, yes, John. Yep, yep, John. There's the AP poll. What was what poll. was the Chicago Bulls record at this point? <laughs> uh, ninety-seven, ninety-eight. Eh, they were probably like seven and one. You know, were they ranked in the AP poll? <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, they were receiving votes. I think. Can't. Uh, almost famous. Let me get. Yeah. Well, they were an Andy Katz, almost famous, when he was like, you know, a sixteen-year-old journalist. Oh. Uh. You know, you throw out the Bulls one loss to uh, I don't know, <laughs> Valpo. Yeah, they were they were finding themselves. Uh, yeah, in Michael the second Jordan. game of the season. So Michael Jordan scored seven <laughs> points against Valpo, and no, that's AP. actually I think that was actually one of Tulane's seven wins <laughs> against the Bulls. Oh God! <laughs> oh no! Oh, man. So this Billikens roster is like the perfect example of. Stars and Scrubs. Um, well, 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 well star, star and Scrubs. Star, star and Scrubs, and scrub, yes. <laughs> so, so you have Larry Hughes, who averaged 20 points a game on a team that was bad offensively, like below 200 offensively. I mean, he had to be probably top 10 in the country in scoring. scoring? I mean, especially, do you think it's 35-second shot clocks? Yeah. I can't imagine that many people average like 20 
four points a game. Yeah. Yeah, and a less prevalent three-point shot. Yeah. 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 Um, so this this roster, I mean, I'll be perfect. I know three names on this roster. Uh, Four, sorry, four. I, I forgot Corey Frazier's on this team. Um. So I, I don't know. I mean, nothing really sticks out on this this roster sheet except that Jamal Walker, who is now college assistant coach, played on this team. He was, I think he was the guard that started opposite Larry Hughes, but I could be completely wrong on that. Um, no, that Frazier, right. who coaches for Overtime Elite, was also on this team. Troy Robertson, who does some local broadcasting. And honestly, I don't know a single other name on this roster. I like to think that Chris Heinrich is actually Kirk Heinrich's brother, who's 6'11". Oh, yeah, but how does that work? Kirk Heinrich's like 6'3", man. Right, but that's why I like to think that he's his 6'11 brother. Yeah, he stole all the genes. I also don't know how old Kirk Heinrich is. And uh, Kirk him, Heinrich but... was drafted by the Bulls in 2004. So, all so, right, I mean, so this guy's a couple years older. Could work out. I mean, maybe maybe half-brothers. It's his brother, but his, his father's the mailman. <laughs> it's also our second Bulls reference. I mean, I am a Bulls it's fan. It's going to keep coming back, probably. Yeah. This is yeah. a Bulls podcast now. Yeah, we'll have to work in, like, a Bucks reference, too. Uh, you know, I don't think I don't, see many, I don't see many Anthony Kumpos on this roster, though, so I'm not sure no. I can do that. No, I mean, I, I actually you know really what? like... There's a chance. The roster, my favorite player is Derek Dust. That's a great name. That's an all-time. I was trying to figure out how to bring him up, but I couldn't. couldn't <laughs> no, this guy, this guy, Derek Dust, is I, – I can tell you what, I know nothing about him aside from that he was on this team. Looks like he very well might have been a walk-on, but this is my new favorite player. <laughs> my, my working intro to that was he was also a – uh, high accolades, incoming freshman, but he was overshadowed and left in Larry Hughes' dust. <laughs> Oof, that's a, that's good. That's yeah. good. Yeah. I mean, I'm also I'm also intrigued by this guy Matt Baniac. I could just see that his nickname was like <laughs> Baniac the Maniac. Like, oh, that's yeah. just <laughs> that's Bain. just fuck yeah. I mean, also like you know, freshman averaging eight points a game, five boards. Like, you know, a little bit of talent there. He's all over the place. Yeah. God, he's a maniac. Guy's a maniac. <laughs> also, like, you know, anytime a player's 6'9, I just got to say that's nice height. Can't, uh. Nice player on the roster. Oh, damn, he's the only nice player on the roster. Right. Nicer than Larry right. Hughes. Right. You got to feel for, for sophomore forward Larry Simmons being the second best Larry on your own team. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing, too. I mean, sidetrack for a second. How many good basketball players have the name Larry? That's not a basketball name. Larry Bird? Yeah, Larry oh, Bird. God. <laughs> <laughs> More oh. than zero. Oh, I guess Larry Sanders of VCU slash Milwaukee Bucks fame. Larry Sanders of like getting suspended fame. Jason I don't know. I still I still even take out Larry take out Larry Hughes, take out Larry Bird. Larry's not a basketball name. That's a uh, that's a baseball name. Yeah, I can more that. basketball Larrys than I can baseball Larrys. Yeah, Larry Walker is like the only one. I mean, Larry Nance Senior too. Yeah. yeah, so maybe Larry is a basketball name. Yeah, I don't know. I might just take the L on this one. I'm gonna <laughs> gonna uh... fitting take the L. Um, I, I think too. We 
you know, outside this roster, you can't really talk about this without talking about Charlie Spoonhour. Um, Charlie, you know, did a lot of the heavy lifting with making sure that SLU kind of was relevant in NCAA basketball again. Uh, he was the coach. So in, I don't know if it was 93 or 94, um, one, he was the national coach of the year by the Basketball Writers Association, so prior to Larry. But he also led SLU to being ranked for the first time in 37 years. Um, and then I also did just look this up. In his tenure, uh, culminating in 97-98, so the Larry Hughes um, year, they were six nationally in average attendance. Um, they were top ten in attendance every year that he was at SLU. So... He he like put Slew back on the map, so to speak. I mean, the year before he took over, there were five and twenty-three. So yeah, I mean, Not that's great. that's probably that's like a that's like a swack level right there. Ooh, we do love the swack, but not when my team is uh, playing like they're in the swack. Not great. Yeah, uh, we, you know, we are open on a ten Twitter about this a lot. We bet the swack very frequently. There is... The SWAC is our second favorite conference. Oh, God. It is. It's the most so beautiful good. basketball you've ever seen. It's just, like, teams that are all, like, bottom 250 in the country playing each other. And but just... It, it, it makes it so good when there's an upset, though, like when Texas State beats Florida by 20. It's just like, it's just like watching a bunch of teams that could beat Dayton. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, Lipscomb would probably finish like fourth in the swag, if we're being honest, or like Austin Ooh. P. I, so, you know, UMass Lowell is gonna run the table though. Don't worry, UMass. Oh, UMass Lowell hashtag flagship. You know, <laughs> people want to talk Amherst. UMass Lowell. That's where it's at. Where can where they, like place the... Austin P? Uh. We're all Riverhawks fans at this point. I was going to say, yeah, R- Riverhawks. That's a wild name for a team. I mean, I, I say this as a fan of a team called the Billikens, but the, the Riverhawks, I, I don't know what a Riverhawk is. Why why the Hawks hanging about the river? No. Out of a freshwater source. <laughs> Still better than the St. Joe's Hawk. I, I think that's a bottom five worst mascot in sports. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that whoever whoever's in the Hawk costume, has to have just a massive upper body. They just have to have like tries that are insane. Well, just like shoulders. I mean, yeah. shoulders. Yeah. yeah, that's a workout. Them all game. That is a big workout. You think they practice? You think they're, they're like sitting there in their dorm room just practicing? <laughs> just I mean, constantly flat. Do you think? Do you think they ever like do it in their sleep? Probably. <laughs> like subliminally. I mean muscle memory. Probably... Think maybe in the suit it's like me- like the arms are mechanical. No. No. There's Whoa. no way it's mechanical. Whoa. Maybe. Why would they pay for that? Well, yeah, why would St. Joe's pay for that? Because like, the, because the wings always have to be flapping. That's like the rule. Well they, yeah. they uh but like your arms are still want some sort of loss about ride. some kid having to have rotator cuff surgery and Oh, right, know, all of a sudden you're paying, yeah, you're paying a bunch of medical bills. Yeah, I don't, yeah. Well, that's why they give them a free ride if you're the mascot. I, I just don't. I don't think St. Joe's sounds like hush money. I don't think St. Joe's is going to pay like fifty grand for a suit that just moves like that. Like, <laughs> that's, a, that's a lot. I mean, maybe it costs more. Maybe it's less. I don't know. 
I'm not an engineer. I'm a. I was a business. They had like an engineering suit design. They gave them a free ride. (laughs) Yeah, I dude. I don't know. I I work with spreadsheets. I don't work with like important (laughs) things. So people, does uh, do you think the hawk skips leg day? Yes. Yeah. Hundred percent. Look at look. It's a bird. (laughs) That every day. (laughs) Honestly, this is gonna be my new goal. My new goal. My new goal is going to be to get whoever the current Hawk mascot is to come on our podcast and explain the intricacies of being the Hawk. Yes. After I, I after that. I say that they're a bottom three team in the A10, that's <laughs> an important part of it, that their team is just bad. That's fair. Um, trying to get slightly back on track. Sufficiently off track. Yeah. <laughs> say like what? Where do we even go next? I don't. I don't know. We were talking about the roster no still because we were talking about Larry's. Okay. Oh, you know what? Like, I got, I got one good more. I got one good more roster name. Uh, this guy definitely a walk on. This guy, bottom of the sheet. Oh, I knew it. Uh, like club trillion guy for sure. Yeah. I don't know how to say this guy's name. It's definitely like Hamker, but I'm just gonna say Haymaker. Like, oh, totally looks like Haymaker when you I, that's that guy if if he's not starting fights in practice, you've got problems. I mean, it's it's hard to get more impressive stats than zero zero and zero. Yeah. It, it's a it's like a, honestly. It's a trillion. Yeah. Like I mean you no, just gotta give me that minutes like MPG, put that one. You gotta get like the Tony Snell. No, that's a trillion. That's not a Tony Snell. Dude no, yeah. you're not no, you're not retro. Snow. Can't rename it. Can't rename it. He wrote a book. Yeah. Mark Titus wrote a book. Yeah. Eh. I know. That's good. That's a trillion. It's not a Tony Snell. Well, how, uh, how many minutes do you have to record for a trillion? One. It's oh, a trillion. Well, then that's a completely it's different a thing. It's one ball zeros. about a different thing, then. It's very possible this guy could have played 20 minutes a game and it's zero, zero, zero. That's a Tony Snell. I mean, <laughs> I do have basketball reference pulled up, and now I'm going to say No, it because... don't. Yep. No, just let me believe that he. Oh wait, they don't have minute, minute they don't have minutes per game because they Perfect. only have the NCAA tournament games Perfect. on Basketball Reference, so we'll never know. Perfect. So, there you go. The dream's alive. The biggest mystery. Dream is alive. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a funny thing about this roster. So, I'm pretty sure two members of this team follow us on Twitter, and that's the most important stat that you could have. Now, why <laughs> they follow us on Twitter? I couldn't tell you. Tro- Troy Robertson follows us on Twitter. And... I'm guessing the second is not Larry Hughes. Ah, you... shoot. I was wrong. I thought Corey Frazier followed us, too, but he doesn't. So, we uh, yeah. we only have one. Yet. But we'll start Larry tweeting. Hughes, Larry Hughes, a couple months back, did put out a signal saying, if you host a St. Louis-based podcast, if you would need a oh. guest... Uh, he went on Midtown Madness Pod. He did not come on ours, but he would have. I just kind of... Did just, we even yeah. ask him? I don't think we asked him. Well, we we half-asked, but he would have. Um, but I think our next goal is we got to get Derek Dust to follow us. I want I want Derek <laughs> Dust on the pod. Like, we man. want Dust. I, I honestly think your guys' goal for the next like year should be get this entire roster that has Twitter accounts to follow you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Larry Hughes, I think, would follow us if his son went to SLU. But I don't think that's going to happen. So we got to move on. Also, Larry Hughes... I found him on Twitter already. 
you know, we, we follow him. The fact oh, that Derek, he's... Derek Dust. I found Derek Dust. Oh, you found him? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he lives in Tallahassee. Let's go. Does he well, like... I think it's I think it's him. He's got hashtag Billikins in his bio, and I don't know how many I mean, Dust how many... have. Wait, 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 wait. Derek Dust follows Derek Dust. Oh, he follows us. No, he does follow us. Oh, let's go. Oh, the upset of the century. Incredible. Let's go. He's like... He, he really likes wildlife. Yeah. Like tweeting about like endangered wildlife. I don't know what, I don't know what he stuff. does. He he. I guess he's got NFTs in his bio. So. Oh, oh man. Okay. Dirk does. That's that's, that's an NFT win. guy. That's uh. This is his. This seems like and maybe this is a little me. It seems wild. like a guy who loves NFTs and doesn't know anything about NFTs. <laughs> this is coming from somebody who doesn't really know anything about NFTs either. So. Right. So most of the people in the world. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I, uh, wait, 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 wait. What? Someone tweeted about Matt Baniak in February. <laughs> what? He didn't die, did he? No. Okay, good. Uh, we can continue laughing. Phew. Wait, not February. Sorry, this is 2011. I'm an idiot. Dodged a bullet I, there. Uh, <laughs> apparently, prior to 2011... Matt Baniak was like sixth all time in freshman rebounds. Didn't know that. Wow, this is weird. I mean, uh, and he how was many also Maniacs are coming blocks? right into the program contributing. He was a uh, fifth in career blocks at one point, according to Twitter. So, I guess it's true because everything on Twitter is true, always. Okay, so I was right. We do have two people that follow us from this team, but just not the two I thought. But Derek Dust. <laughs> well, Derek Dust is at the top of the list, man. Derek Dust right. is number one. I mean, pet. probably the the. Best NBA prospect outside of Larry Hughes, I would yeah. assume. Also, think I found An- Andy Haymaker. Does he follow you guys? No, I only found him on LinkedIn. Not. Oh, oh, that's I weird. Didn't find a Twitter. I just that's, typed his name. That's in. a little weird. I just typed his name in Google. It's the first link that came up. <laughs> oh, I don't look people up on Google. I look them up on. He's Google. gonna get an email that people are searching for him. Yeah. yeah. Good from LinkedIn. Good. Those things creep me out. I'm like, who's looking me up? I I don't need. I don't need uh... all along. It's been Derek Dust looking you guys up. <laughs> it has for right, Derek. We're gonna we're gonna put a feather in this, but like we're gonna interview Derek Dust. Yeah, no, no. We need we need to just like talk to him and just ask him about this this season. I need to know. And you gotta start. You gotta start your episode with the clip of you talking about him on this <laughs> roster. The... I mean, yeah, yeah. When your name is Derek Dust, there's nothing but great things to say. Yeah, watch if you pronounce like Deuced. Or something like it's not even oh, dust. God. Nope, nope, it's dust now. That would your name has changed. It's like I just like mentally crumbled like a Jenga tower. When you said, that. I mean, that would be that would be the most upsetting thing I've ever heard in my life. If his oh, name I think was that not before dust. we interview, before we interview, we gotta ask him how you pronounce it. If it's not dust, we can't have him on. <laughs> He's gonna be like, <laughs> you said it's the phonetic dust. <laughs> You sent us the phonetic pronunciation of your last name. <laughs> like no one has ever asked me this question. <laughs> well, I think immediately he'd be like, "These guys are idiots." So, no. and, he'd, and he'd be correct. So, oh yeah, for sure. I, yeah, no. couple. Uh, I don't even know the expression I was going to say. Not important. I can't even remember expressions. All right. Um. Um. Okay. Uh, I lost the schedule. Where are we at? schedule and it's it's so interesting to see in hindsight like 
how many good games this team got. So I can't remember if we said it before or not, but like, you know, you, you play five ranked opponents and you play a really tough conference schedule. Like you don't necessarily see teams of an Atlantic 10, like today's Atlantic 10. You don't see teams playing this many high majors in non-conference now. I mean, they played, yeah, they started with Merritt and Lane Eastern Shore, but they played Vanderbilt, Illinois, UCLA, Syracuse, Iowa State, Arkansas, like all in non-con. That's six historically really good programs. I don't know how good they were that year, but like you're playing very strong programs and you don't see that nowadays. Like now if you're in the Atlantic 10 or Conference USA or pick your conference, you might get like three of those games. Yeah, I mean, you're lucky for a lot of schools if you get one, but it just shows basketball was so much different in the 90s. Like, if your coach had good relationships with people, you could get whatever game you wanted. It was more about the relationship and less about the team stature. And I kind of missed that. Instead, teams get to beat up on, like, Coppin State and their, like, wild buy game thing. Yeah, yeah. Lipscomb, UMass Lowell. Oh, yeah. Uh, Austin P. Austin P. <laughs> um... Can't think of the other one. Yeah. Though, so I, I, you know, before we talk about this losing streak beyond UCLA, something interesting I want to talk about is like even back then. So Southern Illinois was like okay this year, and and that's a rivalry that like SLU has pretty much played in my time of the program. I think that like this year or last year is the first time they haven't played them in a while. That's always been a regional thing that's been. Pretty, I mean, it goes back to the days of SLU and, like, the Missouri Valley. You know, it's been a good game. But, like, SIU wasn't good this year, and that was still, like, a pretty close game. Um, Playing at Carbondale is always, like, a really weird, tough game, even though it's not big and they're not that good, usually. But for some reason, they always play SLU close, and it's kind of weird to see that this still held true back in, like, 1997. <laughs> So, this UCLA game, I've heard people talk about this in, you know, like, in retrospective. This is, like, a lot of people think still one of the biggest games in the history of the SLU program. And now, granted, they did lose, but the fact that they were playing at UCLA, oh, God, Steve Lavin was their coach? No, was he really? Yeah. But, so, this UCLA team had... Five NBA players on it. Uh, two guys I don't know, but they had Baron Davis and Earl Watson, notably, who okay. were both freshmen. Like, this was a good UCLA team. And I know that that's pretty obvious when you say that, you know, they're ranked 11 at the time you're playing them. It's a good team to play against. I mean, Baron Davis, sneaky one of my favorite players ever. I mean, he ruled uh, for the Warriors. But, you know, the fact that the fact that you're playing that game... As a, you know, Conference USA was a better conference then than it is now. But, I mean, you're still a mid-major. You're not a high major. You're coming into Pauley Pavilion, and you're playing a game against a top-15 team. That's pretty – They, you know, I know that SLU had struggled the year before, but that kind of shows the respect that people had for Charlie Spoonauer. He was a – I mean, he was a damn good coach. Well, in this game, I mean, a six-point loss, like that could have been one point with a minute to go. 
I don't know. Yeah, I didn't watch the game. For sure. But could have also been a 15-point game with two minutes to go. But Yeah. That's, mean, that, that's a respectable loss. I mean, that's, yeah. that's like what? Like two or three Larry Hughes? Two or three <laughs> of Larry Hughes is like 30 shots going in. <laughs> yeah. You know. Right. I mean, this Puerto Rico tournament seems like this. Yeah, well, what like, the hell? Games like, that was like, this really like vault you up the, you know, the national leaderboard in a sense where you win one, maybe two of these games. And obviously they were all single digit games. You win one or two of these. All yeah. of a sudden you're here on the radar. You might maybe, maybe not ranked, but you're up. I want to know. Sure. Like, I want to know what this tournament was because like, I feel like it was predetermined games in the sense that, like, Arkansas being ranked number 12 definitely shouldn't have lost two games. Yeah. Like, also, I mean, we just need to step back for a second. Uh, they played a game on Christmas Eve yep. and, and Christmas, Christmas Day. Day. Yeah. That is that is not something I'm, that happens I noticed in college that. basketball. That's weird. Like, that also, is a, it's a very criminal. odd thing. I think the wildest part about this is that it's 1998. Do you know what year, or you know that how many years Jim Bayham had coached Syracuse for at this time? Probably like 20-something, because he was... years. This was like his 22nd or 23rd year at Syracuse. I mean, he started at Syracuse in his 30s, so... He's been there almost 50 years? Holy yeah. shit. Yeah, I mean, does he have any more kids he's got to get through school? Because he's <laughs> got two there now, so... <laughs> I think I think it's probably good after... After I don't even know Buddy and whoever else, uh, Johnny or no, no, it's Jimmy, dude. I don't. Even His name's Jimmy. I don't. Okay, it's Jimmy Bayham. Okay. There's also a uh, number twenty-five at the time TCU squad that ended up twenty-seven and six, and yeah. then Michigan, um, who well, five and nine. So like just a stacked tournament. Yeah. So I mean, this thing had to be actual bracket style unless it was like two it had to be teams the other team is murray state and american hyphen puerto rico <laughs> they got slaughtered in all their games <laughs> I, was gonna say, I feel like american puerto rico did not do well yeah i that's wild i mean christmas tournaments always have taken like a back seat to thanksgiving because you know you can play one mte so a lot of teams opt for Thanksgiving, but it's a damn good tournament. And I've never, I mean, it clearly isn't a thing now. Uh, bring back the Puerto Rican Christmas tournament that I've never heard of before. It's like, that's like the battle the for Atlantis before the battle for Atlantis. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, so Dan, I, I don't know if you want to touch on any of these games in Puerto Rico itself, other than that's a gauntlet to play in three days like that's a tough yeah i mean it's just it's just a tough schedule the fact that i mean they can keep it close for all three of those with some of these teams that they had to play like yeah it's it's you don't want to go in three but it's not horrible that you did i mean i think i think the thing that sticks out to me the most is that you know you you're a team that wasn't that good the year before you have a superstar with a supporting cast that's okay at best. Um, you're competitive in all these big games. And, you know, the thing that sticks out to me too is you come back to the States 
and your first game back, granted, you get a week, but you play a Memphis team that finished first in their pod in their division uh, in in that division yeah. of a uh, conference USA. Um, and and that that was the last loss of a five game losing streak before you rattle off a nice four game of your own, but Memphis was like awful in non con, really good in conference. Their head coach was some guy named Tick Price, who I've legitimately never heard of. He's probably better than Penny, though. Oh, <laughs> that's not that hard to do. He's bad. Um, Interesting first name must be the uh, first job requirement. Yeah, Tubby. Men's well, yeah, ball. Penny replaced Tubby. Tubby Smith, which yeah. kind of crazy. They can Tubby Smith a legend for Penny Hardaway, but that's a uh, discussion for a different day. Can I go back to Danny's? Yeah. Um, something he said earlier. So um, just asking quickly here as a Dayton fan, you mentioned that losing three games in a row uh, wasn't so bad uh, here kind of at this stage in the season. I, I My ears perked up a little bit. Um, I, I don't have a question. I just wanted to point that out. Well, I mean, <laughs> losing three games isn't isn't so bad when the team as is I said, better than the 50. As I said, I don't have a question. We can move on. <laughs> I mean – you know, really, if you think about it, people have called Austin P the Syracuse of the uh, wherever they're located. So, <laughs> I also think they're in Texas, and I think I don't know where they wrong. are, and I think it's only because Austin. But they're in Tennessee. Them. Okay, well, I, <laughs> you could have named I, any. You could have named any state, and I would say, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I mean, awesome would it be if Derek Deuced is the coach of Austin oh, P. I don't know who that is. Who is that? Yeah, I don't Deuce. know who Derek Deuced is. Yeah. <laughs> is that not how we pronounce his name? We need to ask. No, I feel like I feel like Derek Dust has to be the head coach of Tulsa or nowhere else. Like nowhere. Like, you know, somewhere dust like adjacent. <laughs> yeah. Um But yeah, you know what? Uh three losses are clearly not detrimental. Five losses aren't detrimental, so you know, St. Joe's, you're still alive, or GW, or whoever. Fordham. No, Fordham hasn't lost five straight this year. Let's, you know, let's not well, be disrespectful. That's some respect, yeah. No, yeah. I take that back. Put some respect on Cal Neptune, the king of the sea. <laughs> <laughs> Which is appropriate, because New York will be underwater in, like, 40 years, so. <laughs> Cal Neptune's going to jumpstart on that. Thank God. But, uh, you know, let's, we're, we're through the losing streak sucks but yeah let's talk about this winning streak so they beat uh tulane depaul houston and uab which i really would have liked to uab win uh like six days ago or, or no yeah two weeks like ago that. Uh, it was, nah, it was in the weekend it was it was last saturday so 10 days ago yeah yeah, yeah. uh I don't know. Doesn't matter. Yes, Not I'm hundred percent sure. Okay. So. When this gets edited, uh, the listeners are going to be very confused. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> that <laughs> Leave it in. We can yeah. say we recorded this on December twenty fourth. Oh, yeah. Honestly, I want people telling me that I was wrong in our mentions. That's fine. Yeah. We get told we're wrong every day, so I don't care. There's there's <laughs> like a very few like handful of issues that are just very polarizing on slow Twitter, which I think is very interesting. So, we'll see. Yeah. That's fair. And, and you know what? I'll be honest. For our loyal listeners, if this stays in the episode, sometimes we tweet things intentionally to get some debate, just because the engagement is nice. So, yeah. 
can't uh we can leave we can leave that in but i don't know if you want that left in right you can't know that. that's true that's true well but it's not always slew list it's not always slew followers because we have followers from the 810 so sometimes we just leave a little a little uh breadcrumb trail out there yeah. for people yeah, just a little treat Couple nuggets, for yeah, fans. exactly. Like today, we had the the James Bishop airball tweet, which is <laughs> that was great. <laughs> it's Incredible. such a bad possession. It is just wait. Actually, oh. we have to talk about that because someone we do did have to talk say about that. Uh, so ghost, ghost did, yeah, right. yeah. But ghost also, if you're listening, ghost, you are like a top three most interesting person on the internet. I would very much like to meet you. I think that <laughs> that man is hilarious. I, I, I think yeah. he's very interesting. But whenever I do make it there, I'm, like, going to DM him and be like, hey, like, I just want to get a beer, like, you know, whatever. But the James Bishop airball tweet. So um, <laughs> I remember where I was sitting when that game happened. It was, like, it was like a 3 p.m. game, and, I like, I'm working from home, as we all are, or most people are. And I have my laptop next to me while I'm, like, working. And I'm, like, half watching this game, and I see there's, like, two minutes left, and it's close. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to just watch the last two minutes. And I have never laughed as hard as I have when this man, down two, takes a 37-footer step back. <laughs> oh, down one. Down one. Oh, down one. Oh, it was, yeah, they right. didn't need a right. three. I'm going to play it on mute, and I'd oh, like, uh, I would like you to uh, give play-by-play. <laughs> okay, well... I think it's Jameer Nelson Jr. inbounding, who, big rest in peace, no that, longer that sounds right. at you. It's at some school that I really care about now. All right, so Bishop gets the ball. Uh, I don't even know. Eight, eight full seconds. Uh, just, just one dribble to the right, step just back. step back. Three feet short. It, no. it didn't even, like, like the, I think the worst part about it is that the air ball didn't even hit out of bounds first. Like, it bounced inbounds. <laughs> I love is... the jab step. Oh, the jab step is... I mean, he shoots from the right side of the Capitol building on the <laughs> on the silhouette on on their court. It is, I mean, that's hero it's ball, man. Be one of the worst shots in the history of college basketball. Like, and oh, wait, and wait, also wait. first win at GW since nineteen sixty seven. Is that what that said at the yes. end? <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh. How come this is only William and Mary's second game of the season and GW's played five? GW did some weird thing last year, I think, where they played like <laughs> three games in four days or something. Stop like laughing at the shot. This is hard uh, to watch. Like, it gets worse is... every time you see it. What's funny is I don't remember if it was before or after, but GW had another late game situation that was close where Bishop took a shot that was wildly off. And some player from the other team rebounded and got a dunk as the buzzer was going off to, like, take it to, like, a six-point lead or something. (laughs) And it was, like, they were in the same week, I think, or, like, ten days apart. It was close. But this is the funny one. This one's going to live forever. I I just – I love this show. We've got this. We've got this saved. This will be – this will get posted. So, we should we should probably post this on the anniversary every year. So right yes. here, he's, taking, he's tweet. taking a couple steps back. He thinks he made it, right? Like oh, right he, here. He, this is like he the is, Nick Young, like the turn around and like, yeah. yeah, yeah, this is the Nick Young. Oh, he's, he's never taken a shot in his life he in. thought is more in than this. And then his head kind of drops. Oh. <laughs> good shit. All right, just a rough, that's a rough look. 
Now, to bring it full circle, Dan, how many of these shots, like, similar to this, do you think Larry Hughes took his year at SLU? Considering his supporting cast was... Abysmal. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park I mean, based on the uh, more uh, highlight, the NCAA tournament highlight that we saw, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go like at least four per game, like four air balls or four just oh, like, not, not horrendous balls, shots, four wild shots at least. Yeah, I'm gonna say he airballed at least like 25 shots. Oh, that's the season. Season? Yeah. Oh, yeah. But yeah, I I think I think like four or five a game of just like just like hero shot clocks ball, down, triple teamed. Yeah. I would also imagine there were quite a few possessions where it's like he had the ball the entire 35 seconds. <laughs> well, that's, Just, pretty, that's pretty possible. Yeah. <laughs> At least once a game. I mean, unless Derek Dust was coming out and being like playing hero ball. Hang on. Well, he, this... didn't, he, he never did anything. Uh, I mean, Derek Dust scored 1.3 points a game. He did something. Yeah. Oh, I was thinking of... Uh, oh, Andy Haymaker? Andy Haymaker. Andy Haymaker. Oh. <laughs> yeah. He, he was Dust. ready to throw his haymakers at all times, but yeah. wasn't... I mean, Andy Haymaker called, was... He was just hell to go against in practice. Like, scrappy, <laughs> just, like, taking guys' legs out. Yeah, he's like, like Bobby Porter's my punch in the face. <laughs> I mean, he's he's a program builder. Well, he also might be a program, like, tear-downer, you know. <laughs> he might just take out your best player for two weeks. I mean, honestly, he's probably, he's probably, like, Larry Hughes' bodyguard. Like, that's the I guy mean, we're going to play in. If this game gets out of hand and you know, someone goes after Larry. Only 6-1, six, six though. I mean, mm. I, don't, I don't know if he was, like, a beefy guy, but might not have the, the frame to back it up. We'll have to find some film on him, like a little, like, a little, like high school, like balls life YouTube clips. I don't think they had those, but maybe uh, they don't even have a weight listed for him. I, I don't know. I feel like Andy Haymaker was like 150 pounds soaking wet. Anchor. Let's see. Uh, he is a quantitative trading research analyst and consultant. That's nice. He's definitely smarter than me. When I look at their schedule and they played DePaul at the Rosemont Horizon, is that Allstate? Yeah, that's Allstate. Okay, that's yeah. just their former name. Yeah. And man, is Freedom Hall? That's a that's an arena name I haven't heard in uh, a long yeah. time. Yeah, a long time. South Florida's arena was called the Sun Dome. I think that's a great, great name. name. Great name. 
Oh, that is a great name. <laughs> where, where are we at with the schedule? <laughs> what are we yes, talking about? We're talking about all the arenas. <laughs> oh no, Freedom Hall. That's where we got to. Yeah, go. we were talking about Freedom Hall. Uh, Dan, I have a great game I want to talk about. The next one. Yeah. Um, so, so Dan yeah. grew up a Marquette fan. Uh, what lasting memories do you have of the uh, SLU nine point win at the Bradley Center? So I, I, I was used... going to say, I was going to say, random fact. So it's very possible that I was at this game and do not remember. Like, it's very possible also, that my dad brought me to this game. I do know Larry Hughes scored 40 this game against yep. Marquette. Yep. So the fact that you don't remember that is very well, insulting. I'm not a real school fan <laughs> if I don't remember that. You know, the only thing I do remember from this game is just Derek Dust. It's the only thing I remember. Yeah, Derek Dust signed your forehead, actually. We got to pull that picture up. Uh, when you were a baby. Uh, yeah. Just... yeah. I was two years old. Yeah. Yeah. So it was called the Brew City Conquest. Interesting. Uh, it was this road trip to Milwaukee to face uh, a pretty good Marquette team at the time. Um, and Larry Hughes had been averaging 20 points a game. And uh, when reading a preview of the game in the local newspaper, the Marquette coach, Mike Dean, had said that he wasn't going to do anything special to defend Larry Hughes. There weren't going to be any double teams. And then Larry apparently said when he read that, he got a big smile on his face and went out and scored a season-high 40 points uh, in front of a stunned crowd at the Bradley Center. <laughs> so, <laughs> from what I know about, you know, 90s Marquette, I, from what I can gather, I don't think Mike Dean was a super popular coach. And this is probably one of the reasons why. I mean, I feel like I feel like if your defensive scheme isn't centered around the best player on the other team, especially when he's really the only good player, yeah, that's nah, I'm not, we're not going to do anything different. Well, it's just like a concerning strategy, especially when if if you do that, if you say this and it works, like okay, fine. But if you say this, he better not go out and score forty against you. <laughs> that's. That is the most wild strategy. Like, uh, yeah, this freshman's pretty good. And their team is okay. Like, eh, we're fine. Just, <laughs> we're good. I, I mean, you know, for a second, I, I have two things I really want to touch on. Uh, the fact that this rivalry was called the Brew City Conquest. I mean, St. Louis obviously has Anheuser-Busch. And then Milwaukee... Miller, like Miller, I don't even know if it was Miller Coors that time, just Miller. That's an awesome rivalry. Bring that rivalry back. Just bring back like the two, Great like, the two like beer giants of America. Just bring that back. Also, I can't let this go overlooked. Marquette's coach Mike Dean was replaced by Tom Crean. Correct. That's a that's weird. Like that their names rhyme. It's just. <laughs> I feel like their AD went in. It's like we really like this Ian, like <laughs> naming. We just got to get a guy to come who in. Can and we do get? That. Yeah, who can we get? It's like four coaches, and they all suck. <laughs> but then there's Tom Crean, who does not suck. So we liked just... everything that Mike Dean was doing, except what he said about Larry Hughes. So yeah. let's keep it pretty similar. But I think the job, the job interview for Tom Crean was like, "Hey, you have a player coming in averaging twenty points a game. Do you double team him? Yes or no?" <laughs> Tom Green says, sure, why not? And job's yours. <laughs> do you tell the newspaper what you're going to do, yes or no? 
Like, free scouting report. What's the thing is, if he told the newspaper he's got no plans and then came out and did something different, then fine. Maybe it's a little, like, mental... Yeah, a little mental gamesmanship. But if he scored 40, you clearly didn't do anything different. So... Right, I mean, I mean if like if like no double teams isn't just is just like not in your defensive scheme, I can kind of understand that, but you got to do something. Also, like actual execution, like scoring forty points in a game in the thirty-five second shot clock era—that's insane. That's, I mean, hell, how many times do people score forty points in today's college game? Not often, ever. Mm-hmm. I mean. I can't think of the last time it happened. I mean, it might have happened this year, but... I think it's a little concerning that he scored 40, and they only won by 9. <laughs> I mean, that probably is about... Well, he scored 40, and they scored 71. So... Right, right. Like, that's not great. No. Well, trivia question for you, John. You know who was three coaches before Mike Dean and Marquette? Uh, Rick Mongeris. That is correct. For, like, one year, I think? No, for, like, three. Yeah. So, little uh, little slew history, little slew Marquette yeah. crossover. Was uh, was there a Deaner on this Marquette team or no? Uh, not yet. No, he was a freshman in 2002, 2003, or no, mm. 2001, 2002. Travis Deaner, mm. cousin then, of Drew, of Drew. Deaner. also yeah. cousin of Drake Deaner, who was at DePaul. So they were all in the same conference. That's wild. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Yeah. That's wild too. You wouldn't talk to your cousins and be like, "Hey, let's all go to the same school." Yeah, well, I mean, they were all exactly the same players. The problem. That's Maybe nice. different skill levels. Like, I don't know enough about, like, Drake Diener. I don't know. All right. Um, I'm going to get back on track just a little bit. Uh, so, that Marquette win, uh, rubbing it in the face of Infant Dan, who I'm just going to say was there. Um, oh, right in your day. face. Larry Hughes, when he scored his 40th point, pointed right at you and said, one day you're going to be on a podcast about this game. <laughs> uh, you know, your presence there actually was the spark that started off their one, two, three, four, five-game winning streak. You know, something weird about this season, too. So, like, this five-game winning streak... I know exactly what you're going to say already. Why the hell do they play Valpo? Valpo, yep. So in the middle just of a random non-con? <laughs> <laughs> like, what? I, like, January 26th for a non-con game is absurd. Um... I think I feel the most like teams impressive... do that once in a while, though. I've seen I've seen Sometimes, teams do that but... randomly, like mid to end of January. They'll just you know they'll schedule like an Austin P or UMass Lowell, yeah. or something like that. Right, <laughs> tough teams to you know focus yeah. on. Easily uh, overlooked. I you know I do think the most impressive win in this though isn't at Marquette when Larry dropped forty. I I think it's this win against Charlotte at home because Charlotte was good. They had two NBA players on the roster. Charlotte was and, good. And and they finished second in their pod of Conference USA. Though, I mean, when you're in a five-team pod, finishing second is not, like, the hardest thing in the world. I mean, I honestly, guess. the win at Southern Miss, too. You win by three on the road at Southern yeah. Miss. Southern Miss was 22-11. and 11, Same record yeah. as Slew, but... Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a nice team, too. And, and Southern Miss... I, there's a lot of NBA players in this conference. They had an NBA player, Kelly McC- McCarty? Never who heard of him. But... Who was on Cincinnati? Uh, Kenny Martin. Kenny Martin, okay. But Kenny was Martin wasn't, like, like I don't want to say he was bad, but he wasn't that good. Right, he wasn't Kenny Martin yet. He was their fifth leading scorer. Holy crap. 
Cincinnati had four guys averaging over 13 points a game. So just like Slow's roster. <laughs> a touch different. The Cincinnati team was good. Man, Bob Huggins. What about how about Great Brian coach. Bland on the bottom of Cincinnati's roster? That's a name. <laughs> I mean, they don't even have a class listed for him or a position. It's just the height and the stats. I know, and the stats are zeros. He's, he's so. just a body. It's just a bland. Two games, body. three minutes, zeros <laughs> for him. All right, we're gonna get him on too. Yeah, we're gonna Bland. track this guy I'll down. Find him. <laughs> um, ah, God, where were we at? I don't even know where I'm. Right <laughs> we were going through the uh okay so so they run out that winning streak and then they kind of finished the year going win loss win loss uh, they got drubbed uh, at by home cincinnati by yeah. cincinnati they got yeah, cincinnati is so good yeah but they, they almost they almost really stole one though at cincinnati. yeah at the fifth third arena it's crazy uh, though second to last regular season game of the year they also beat marquette i'm gonna say that uh your dad came down to st louis and it's me. Yeah, was that and there? brought you. Yeah, and Larry saw you and just pointed right at you and said, "Screw you, kid." <laughs> yeah. Um, do you think so? Do you think that? Do you think that Mike Dean game plan for Larry Hughes that time? Maybe. Like, I wish there was did a box he, score from that game just to see. Did he double down. It's like, oh, we're not even gonna be surprised if he did. To be honest, like, not even that we're not gonna double team. We're just gonna put no one on him. I would on. honestly respect him more if he gave the exact same quote. <laughs> yeah, right. We're not going to do anything different. special. Yeah. yeah, we're like, we're good. <laughs> um, And then, you know, we get into conference tournament. They went one and one. They drubbed Tulane. Lost to UAB. It seems like UAB was pretty good this year. They're pretty good in conference USA. Uh, they still are, but oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, like, I was this, wrong. They were twenty one twelve. say they were they were still pretty solid. Yeah, but then, you know, the thing that we want to talk more about is NCAA tournament. So they got an at large bid. I don't know what seed they were. They were ten. Sure. Ten. Yep. Cool. Do you think it's um, wild that they played these games in the Georgia Dome? That's a big, like the yeah, first, like the first arena. and second round games are playing at Georgia. Games look like ants. <laughs> yeah, that's Pretty a big. Much. That's a big arena. I mean, we went to the tournament games in in Lucas in here, and and we weren't up super high, but we weren't you know close either. And it's it's pretty it's far. far. It's far. Yeah, I can't believe that they hosted. <clears throat> Like sixty four and thirty two in a football stadium, like that's just that's insane. Unless they had two courts, but I mean, who knows? But like, why? And that's a great question. Yeah. Um, but they did in the first round. They played against UMass, which I think this is UMass. No, no, they have one bid this century, so it's not their last bid. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but they played against another all time name, Bruiser Flint. That's a, <laughs> that's a top tier name. <laughs> That's their coach's name. Uh, oh, and the player on, on UMass. Uh, a player on UMass, I think his son is at UMass now, Tyrone Weeks. I think his son is TJ Weeks, who's at UMass oh. right now. Okay. Uh, but SLU did take care of business. 
uh we watched a clip on twitter that i'm sure the um cbv stories can put out what a wild looking game i mean real bad 51 to 46 slew uh some horrendous offense being played i think is the nicest way to put it (laughs) yeah i mean 51 to 46 like it'll get the job done for the win but it's not gonna be a pretty game yeah subtle thing in this clip charlie spoonauer very famously like never wore suits or anything he coached in like mock turtlenecks hell yeah and in in today's era like especially this year coaches are like yeah we're not going back to suits whatever i i kind of dig the the like mock turtleneck look oh i like the mock turtleneck like i mean I think that's that's Tiger Woods, right? In yeah, prime, no, uh, Sunday. I don't like that he wore Ni- red, though. Nineteen ninety-seven Masters, his first victory wearing the. I mean, yeah, maybe it was a... hour is Tiger Woods. Oof. Yeah, a little disrespectful to wear it not on a Sunday, though, because there's no way this game is a Sunday. Yeah, so so just this game coming down the stretch, it just is a great summation of like what Larry Hughes was to slew basketball. You can't find anything better than the last five minutes against UMass in the NCAA tournament. So down 44-42, Larry Hughes, who wasn't a great three-point shooter, um, with 451 left, drains a three to really turn the tide and start kick-starting a run. Brings it to 45-44 slew. You know, they get a big turnover, big stop. Larry gets a dunk on the fast break, brings it to a three-point lead. And then the real dagger... It's 49-46, under a minute left. Larry hits this shot that it's this really tough turnaround coming off a baseline curl that just, you can tell from the way that the team reacts, just game's over. Like, just ends it. And I, you know, we've we've talked about how Larry was like the only, I don't want to say real player on this team, but he was... 99% of this roster. And, you know, you don't have a better example than that 9-2 run to end it, because it was pretty much all Larry. Well, right. I mean, he's he's the guy that makes the team go, and we, we've talked about that a bunch already. But, I mean, he's the guy that makes them go there. They go as he plays. So, yeah. you know. In this last nine to run, and you're going down the stretch in this last five minutes of this of this massive game. If he goes away, you're not winning this game. And you know he hits that big three. He gets the the dunk. He gets the turnaround jumper off the curl, and that that game gets put away because of him. And so, I mean, we didn't get a bunch of the defensive stops that they made, but. I mean, with how athletic he is and how much he influences the game around him and his teammates, you can tell that he's definitely influencing possessions on both sides of the floor, too. And, I mean, he's the reason He's the reason they're there. He's the reason they won that game. Yeah. Dumas scores two points in the last five minutes. I mean, Slew doesn't score many more. It's... Well, right. Well, Slew <laughs> goes on a 9-2 run to end the game. I mean, it's also a thing that jumps out in this clip, like, like, because, Dan, you and I, our memories of Larry Hughes are more NBA towards yeah. the end of his career, he was very athletic. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, especially as a – he was listed at 6'6". Six, six. I don't know if he was really 6'6", six, six, like 6'4", six, 6'5". Like, he was a athletic freak in an era that 
wasn't really wide open yet. Like, I, I truly think, and I know it's easy for a lot of people to say this, or, you know, it's hard to prove, but I think that Larry Hughes' game in the modern college game would be, like, a lot better. Just because it's more conducive yeah. to his play style. Like, he was a, you know, not being, not to bash the legend, but he wasn't a great shooting guard at the college level who relied a ton on athleticism and ISO ball. Like that would play so well today in the air of like spread out defense. I, I just, I mean, you'll never get to see it, but I, I can't imagine what he would look like on like a current college basketball team. Still probably even with his percentages, probably the best pure score that's ever been at SLU. I, I think that's pretty safe to say. And I mean, there's also a reason that even in today's slew conversation, there are still so many fans that talk about this season. They they talk about the impact that Larry Hughes had on this program and this team. And and it's for good reason. It's not just like, you know what, good players come and go all the time. He was a very special player to come to slew. Like that's just a that's a simple fact. Um, and there's very few players, you know, in our time following the program, we've seen good players come and go. There's very few players that basically individually would spark a 9-2 run in an NCAA tournament game. I think that that's very fair to say. Yeah, I mean, he was the closer, and he yeah he closed it out, and that's that's why they got that win. Their last game of the season, they played a, I mean, they played a really good Kentucky team. I mean, this um, team had six NBA players on it. Yeah. And I, I don't mean, think any of them became like super superstars or anything like that, but they yeah. won the title. Um, yeah, they they won the title. I mean, Nazi Muhammad carved out like a 15-year career. Uh, Jamal, Mag- I don't know if you say it, McGlore or McGuire, like he was good in the NBA. Like they, I mean, it's a team that had three, six, ten or above players on it. Like, right. and you know, when you're coming from a, a mid-major conference or low-high major, whatever you want to call it, like, you don't have that size to match up. It, it's not a surprise, really, that they got smoked by Kentucky. The kind of ironic part about this Kentucky team, too, is they lost to Louisville in December. Mm-hmm. But it was a team that slew beat, slew, slew split with them. But, I don't know, like, they only lost four games, but it just so happened that one of them was a team mm-hmm. that slew beat. Now, after they beat Slew, they went on and, and just pounded UCLA, who Slew yeah. lost to, so... I mean, college basketball just is what it is. But, I mean, this yeah. team, honestly, the base Kentucky team was just better than SLU. That's just what it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, you again, when you're a program that, especially this year, when you have one superstar player, not much to go with it, you're going to take your lumps. Overall, like, I, I don't know if you'd agree, Dan, like, pretty successful season. Yeah, oh, definitely. I mean, at a school like SLU, when you make the tournament, especially as an at-large, that's definitely a successful yeah. season because, I mean, you, you're able to put yourself on the national stage and being able to to see a player like Larry Hughes, I mean, it's, it's just kind of something that sticks with your program forever just because yeah. he's a guy that – he's one of few guys that has the ability to put your team on the national stage, and that's pretty much what he did all year. Yeah, and and I think I have two kind of closing points before just kind of long-term impact of Larry Hughes because he has had impact on SLU post-playing there. Mm -hmm. Um, 
a couple things that stick out. Uh, they were 0-5 versus top 25 opponents. That's definitely something where you win one or two of those. You might get a different draw in the tournament. Things might go differently. Obviously, we can all play what-ifs left and right all day. But something else that kind of sticks out is that game they lost to Kentucky. And now, granted, they lost by 27 points. So, you know, take this with a grain of salt. But Larry was 4-17. He had 11 points. You know, obviously, 27-point margin is... That's not close. But basketball also is very much a game of momentum. You make a few more shots in the first half, who knows what shakes out. You, you Honestly, we have no way to tell, and every fan base can always play hypotheticals. But I find that interesting, you know, as we've said a bunch of times, is Larry went, the team went. So getting 11 points out of Larry Hughes against a two-seed Kentucky, probably going to have a bad time, but... I just think that that's kind of a couple interesting tidbits I take away. Those guys are going to be feeding off of Larry. Yeah, it's very much, I think a good comp for this is, you know, you know, just kind of see how things can go the other way. Like Steph Curry at Davidson, not, not a fantastic team outside of Steph Curry. I mean, good coach, but Charlie Spoonauer is a good coach. You know, think about those Steph tournament runs. If he's not, you know, dropping 30 points, is Davidson hanging with any of those teams? Probably not, you know. And now, very different players. Steph Curry is a top 25 NBA player ever, all this stuff. But it's comparable. I mean, you get a hot night, things go differently. So I I don't think, though, that you can look at this season and be like, it's a failure, it's anything else. I mean, he was a premier attraction and as a byproduct, St. Louis was like slew basketball was a premier attraction in Missouri, not even just St. Louis, like in the state of Missouri for six months and, um, you know, helped kind of show what the program could be, which they're still trying to find their footing today as a result. But I think that years like this show that you can be a dynamic player and do good things in St. Louis, which is a really good thing. And hopefully one day you'll see, you know, some fruits from that. But who knows? I have to talk about Larry Hughes's appearance in Nelly's. Music yes. Video. Was Kelly trying to text uh, Larry on Microsoft Excel? Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> That's one of the dumbest things I've ever seen in this video. <laughs> Makes me so mad. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, we can't talk Larry Hughes adjacent stuff without talking about (laughs) without talking about the Nelly music video. (laughs) I, I, I think the best, the best thing to sum it up and it's not original, but it is the Roger Sherman tweet that Larry Hughes willingly agreed to be in a music video for Dilemma to be the person that Kelly Rowland would ignore <laughs> to go pursue Nelly. <laughs> <laughs> and it it's not interestingly enough and I don't I don't know if this is the genesis of it. But it's not the only like slew connection to a Nelly music video because there is a slew jersey in the Hot and Here music video like very prominently displayed. So 
I like to think in my head that like Larry started this and was like, Hey, I'll be in this music video and kind of take a hit, so to speak, but you got to put a slew Jersey in a, in a different song. But I, I don't know. I mean, Dan, like how, how do you think this even came about? Like, I, I don't really know how this is a thing. So when did this song get released? Like, when did Dilemma come out? Ah, that's a great question. I think he was in the NBA. Because that's what I was going to say, is he had to have been in the NBA at that point. Uh, Dilemma came out in 2002, so he was in the NBA. Okay. They grew, they grew up together, though. Yeah, they did. They did. Uh, or not not together, but, like, they knew each other. From yeah, like, they, they, they knew each other. Yeah. Because uh, Hot in Here... Okay, so that also came out in 2002. I think it was all the same album, right? Probably. People in St. Louis are probably going to kill us. Like, <laughs> It's a thing, though. Sidetrack. There is nothing better in the world than being in a St. Louis bar and hearing Nelly. Like, just... Oh, uh, yeah. I mean... Everyone always goes crazy. <laughs> yeah. Just a great... Like, bucket list is I want to see Nelly at Javits Arena. I don't know if he ever has played there or if he ever will play there, but that's just a bucket list. Like, need to have it happen. I've seen Nelly in Chicago a couple times. He's awesome. But I just really... Would like to see him at Chaffetz. That'd be fantastic. Um, returning to the returning to the Jersey talk in the Nelly music videos, this dilemma video. Why is is Larry Hughes wearing a Pete Rose jersey? Okay, I've I've wondered that for years. I I don't know. <laughs> like, because he was in he was either in Philadelphia or Golden State at the time. So. I have not a single clue geographically why he would be wearing a Pete Rose Reds jersey. You don't kind of stumble into wearing a Pete Rose jersey. Well, John, if we I mean, ever get him on, that's what we can ask him. Yeah. See, like, why did you pick this? Ask Derek Dust why Larry is <laughs> more a Pete Rose jersey. I mean, that's the top be... of our question list. All right, so we'll get you guys out of here on this. Pre-show, we talked about uh, Larry Hughes Jr. Maybe not going to SLU. I want one word to describe your reaction of when Larry Hughes Jr. announces he's going to become a Dayton Flyer. (laughs) Uh, Bittersweet. Just bitter. (laughs) I like that there you have it that is the story and these are the college basketball stories is it 100% accurate yeah that sounds right follow us on twitter at the cbb stories also see all of our inebriated storytelling podcasts as part of the stories podcast network at the stories pods on twitter as our guests rewrite the past across various sports. Alcoholic drinks are consumed voluntarily by our guests at their own discretion. Please drink responsibly. I I do, hold on, I need to expand for one second. You can have have a couple, couple things. Um, wherever his son goes, I, I think that he'll be a good college player. 
He's not going to Dayton. You guys just got that guy from Mongolia, Mongolian Mike or whatever. Mongolia Mike, baby. Let's go. Um, <laughs> Worldwide, baby. <laughs> I still think there's a chance that Junior ends up at SLU uh, as a spring signee. Um, not only did Larry go there, but his sister also played for the women's team. So, like, there mm. is a family connection beyond just Larry. Um, but one thing I do want to talk about, uh, like the biggest thing that kind of sucked. So um, when Dan and I were on campus, uh, Jim Cruz was still there for the first two years. Uh, and SLU was actively recruiting Larry Hughes' godson, Jason Tatum. And uh, the biggest thing in my life I'm mad at Larry Hughes about, and I'd tell him this if I ever meet him, like mad. Uh, Larry let his godson go to Duke instead of go to SLU. And uh, I'll never forget, we were on campus, we were eating in one of the dining halls, and we saw Jason Tatum ride around on a golf cart on his, yeah. like, official visit. And I remember thinking, like, man, I'd love it if he went here. Like, Larry, he's godson, like, his dad went to SLU, and he didn't go there. So, I still have beef with Larry Hughes, just, you didn't let Jason Tatum come to SLU. <laughs> so, that's all. So, you, hopefully his son comes to SLU, but who knows. I mean, if he, if he ends up a Dayton Flyer, I'll root for him every game except twice a year. Yeah. You blame uh, Larry Hughes. I still blame, blame Kelly Rowland. Yeah, I mean, Kelly Rowland and uh, Jim Cruz, I'll probably blame both of them. Uh, you know, maybe Nelly had something to do with it, too. Might be sacrilege to say that, but yeah. <laughs> Kelly Rowland uh, didn't text uh, Jason on Excel to tell him to, to salute. <laughs> like an expose on Larry Hughes. It's pretty pretty funny. No, I did not click on this. He he likes chick flicks. He uh Hell yeah. Craziest teammate you've ever had. You said in a good way, Gilbert Arenas. <laughs> oh god. I think that this was the, well. the gun incident. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, uh Gilbert and Javaris Crittenton are his uh, favorite teammates ever. Uh, let's see. Oh my god. I mean, I'm skimming this last chick fuck you saw i watched a little bit of 27 dresses the other night i'm not proud of that <laughs> there's worse things to to watch for chick flicks i can't oh wait 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 wait. he thinks french fries are the most overrated food that again it would arenas licked all the donuts and put them back in the box like that might be worse than bringing the gum into the locker room <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty bad that's that's not great. I mean, that's a wild quote. He just did things grown men <laughs> usually don't like. That's what I <laughs> that that uh, contradicts the thing where he's like craziest team you've ever had in a good way. Gilbert Arenas, like that quote after just contradicts everything. It sounds <laughs> like you hate him. Yeah. Uh, I think there is a he's... quote in here too about his dunk contest. I mean the dunk the dunk contest getting a zero. I I think he's one of, if not the only player to ever get a zero like cumulative. I, so I don't. So he did get a he score got points, but thirty. He never completed his dunk. missed dunks. Yeah. Interesting. That and that may that may have been before like scoring was changed or if it was changed i, I don't know if oh, sorry you know what i i mixed up what i was thinking of i'm pretty sure he's the only player to never complete a dunk yeah. in the dunk contest i yeah, think right. that's what it is yeah 
I do remember, like, before even being a fan of SLU, I do remember that dunk contest, seeing it in, like, like worst of the decade or something. Like, you know, some sports center thing where it was, like, just the worst fails of the decade or something. <laughs> it, it, oh, God, it's bad. It, it's a really, really bad compilation of attempted dunks. But I also think that, like, not completing a dunk, as long as you're trying to, like, to do something, something like sweet, yeah. is better than the guys with, like, three seconds left that just run up and, like, quit. He, he also stupid. had zero chance of winning this dunk contest because this yeah, is the one with Vince Carter. Went oh, insane. this is Vince Carter. Okay. Yeah, was, yeah it's the one with the, with the elbow, like, like, and, and T Mac was in this one too. He had no shot. Yeah, no. Like, yeah. Yeah, this was a bad, I mean, bad year to be a bad dunker. <laughs> I'm watching it right now. I mean, none of his attempts are even that, like, ambitious. That's no. the no. beauty. Well, I do miss his, these Sixers jerseys. His quote said, I had too much fun before the con- contest. I didn't go out there as being a business trip. I went out there as the new guy, being in the league to have, have fun. I had all my friends out there. I didn't practice any dunks. <laughs> Obviously, you can tell. <laughs> Oh, for sure. I mean, oh, yeah. like he, I mean, he had a good vertical leap, but he doesn't really jump for any of these. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Like, yeah, he like leaves the ground, but it's not no. like he's not showcasing a vertical. Yeah. These are bad. These yeah. are really bad. But yeah, to your, to your point, John, he had no chance of winning that. No. I, I mean, he could have come the, out uh... and had like, the three best dunks of his life. Yeah. You're not winning that dunk contest. No. That's I still think Vince Carter's performance in that dunk contest is the greatest of all time. Oh like, yeah. For sure. My favorite Larry Hughes attempt in that is, you know, facing the opposite basket, bounce between the legs. Oh, between the, the legs. Yeah. yeah. It's the I mean the, the first one when he just shoots the ball into the crowd is just <laughs> I mean, it's incredible. It, I just you get a little bit of a feeling of like uh, the monsters stealing his powers. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you you get that very much. Where you're like, uh, you do not belong here, man. Like, love love Larry Hughes, just a little over your head. I think I think his whole and obviously his NBA career is a whole different beast. I think he is one of the biggest what ifs in NBA history. Um getting drafted to Philadelphia to play alongside AI, who was so ball dominant. Yeah. Is always one of those like I I wish you would have gotten drafted somewhere else because Larry did us so much off the dribble that that just wasn't a good fit. Like it it's just you know, he had a fine NBA career like average like 14 points a game. He played 12 years in the league. Like you played 12 years in the NBA, you're a good player. But I think his career could have turned out very differently. But again, we'll never know. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, from this as well as kind of what we know from a, like a zoomed out perspective of his career is, uh, you know, a few years in, his brother died. Yeah, um, from right. uh, battling heart problems, and 
you know, even in this Jamel Hill interview, um, she asked him, like, how much of your experience in Cleveland was tainted by the death of your brother, Justin? He said a lot. I realized it every day that part of me is gone. I have to move on. Like later on, I guess the next question, he talks about like some of the emotional side of playing basketball has suffered and it's tough for him to be excited or happy. And it's kind of just like, you know, going through the motions kind of thing, which, you know, it's kudos to him for continuing to go on and, and still make a productive career out of it. But, you know, you want, that's another, you know, what if that, of course, you know, real world in his life wise, like you wish that that never happened, but also on the basketball side, it's, you know, a shame as well. Yeah. I I mean, I think the thing that the big takeaway to just kind of, you know, even outside basketball is that, you know, the, the death of his brother is tragic. Um, but it is good that he, he kind of channeled that into a very positive thing. I mean, he does, he does so much charity work, uh, not even just in St. Louis, just in general, like with, I think with like organ donations, tissue recipients, a lot of stuff with kids, um, you know, Larry has made a really good life for himself and helped a lot of people. And even though his NBA career isn't like the greatest thing in the world, I think that he has used his platform. He's used his like resources to help a lot of people. And I think that he, I mean, unless there's something I really don't know about, I think he's just a good person. And I think that that's totally, you know, I think at the end of the day, like, I mean, he's still young. He's in his forties. Like, he still has a lot of like good things to do. And I think that that's the most proud that you can be as someone who went to the same school as him is that he just, you know, he helps a lot of people. And I'm glad that he, you know, even though his brother's death probably derailed his NBA career a little bit, I'm glad that he has used that as a driving force to do good. Especially in the St. Louis area. Sorry. Just want to add that on like the work he does in St. Louis. He's still a legend there. And he does not let that, you know, just go to waste. You know what? The the municipal auditorium had a lot of teams play here. Uh, the Kansas City Sizzlers. Oh, <laughs> wow! The I don't know City what sport Steers. that is. Yeah. Is it basketball? I I don't know. It says the CBA. That's it's basketball. The, yeah. yeah. Um, that sounds like an electric jersey. They're actually now called the <laughs> Sizzlers. Well, We're not, going to Sizzlers. not now, but uh, they also had a roller derby league here. So, okay, that's oh sick. hell yeah! For like that's real sick. Like seven years, the Kansas City Roller Warriors. So that's pretty. That was that was probably the hot ticket of the town for those for those few years. Yeah. Look at how big this place is. Oh wait! Like when they show those shots, like it's it's empty completely. Is that the maniac? That was the maniac, I think. Oh, was it? It might have been. We got a we got a Larry Hughes miss and a maniac follow up. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. all over wow. the boards. That shot at the end is uh, it's a good shot, though it does bug me. So the audio wasn't on here, but Dickie V kept calling it a floater. That's not a floater. That's a jump shot. No. <laughs> it's like fade away. Very clearly a jump shot. Also, very different. Very different plays. He made that shot to make it fifty-one forty-six, which was the final score, and there was about fifty seconds left. My question is: Did 
Did they just not foul or did Slew just miss all their free throws as usual? <laughs> Good question. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. <laughs> 